Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John 17. And actually, we'll go into the last verse of verse six, chapter 16 before we go into 17, because it's important, God's desire to settle you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're always with us. And we ask you now that as we spend this time reading these words that you said to your disciples, that we would understand how much you love us as well. And so now as we read, bless these to our heart. Help us not to ever forget these things. In Jesus' name, amen. John 16, 33, the very last verse before we go into 17 Jesus had just got done explaining to them all the things that he was to go through. And then he says this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I like that. Uh, Again, he says, in me you might have peace or you will have peace. Now here's why that's important. That's the key. In Jesus is the source of everything that we know. In Jesus is the source of everything we know. Jesus said this, if any of you lack wisdom, ask and your father in heaven will give it to you. So how do we get smarts? We go to God. We just say, Lord, give me your wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. I know a lot of knowledgeable people. I don't know very many wise people, okay? So the ability to take and apply the truths that we know in God's word to our daily lives is that, I believe, of direct infusion or the direct result of our relationship with God. So in other words, we can know the Bible, we can know spiritual things, but unless that wisdom comes from God to how to apply it to our lives, we would still be knowledgeable but we still will not have the result we want to see in our lives. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you so that you would have peace. Why is that? In him is the source of that. You know, it doesn't really matter what goes on around us. If we're at peace with God, we can go through anything. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Not the great tribulation that we read about in Revelation. But he said, you will have tribulation. Why is that? You're a live fish swimming against the current. You know, the Bible tells us that this world is has a destiny of destruction. But you, Jesus said, who are alive in him, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, you make an impact wherever you go, and this is what's important, whether you know it or not. Isn't that good to know? That whether you know it or not, you make an impact. Why is that? Sometimes it's just the way we react to things. Because people see in you a peace that passes all understanding. Or at least I would pray that it does. Because we realize he's got it all under control. 
Nothing takes God by surprise. You know, it isn't that you accept Christ as your Savior and you're praying and you're asking God to be a part of your life every day and God goes, oh no, oh no, they're going to, oh man, they blew it. God doesn't do that. God already knows the mistakes we'll make in advance, but this is what's so amazing about God. God uses even those things that were in our minds a mistake for his good in his kingdom. Sometimes, It's just experience you can share with somebody else not to do what you did. Isn't it funny when you have kids, you begin to share with them and give them direction. And you remember when you were that age and how important it was for you to listen to others. You know, again, I remember a friend of mine. uh, He was uh, cleaning out the barn and uh, they were wetting the dust down. He had a lawn hose. And he, he, his dad said to him, whatever you do, don't flip the water upon the lights above. And so he said, I distinctly remember watering the, the inside the barn down and then occasionally flipping the water up just a little bit. Well, as soon as that water hit that hot light bulb, pop, it all came down. His dad come in at just about that moment yelled at him. But what was amazing is that we realize when we listen to others, we save ourselves. Now, again, who you're listening to makes all the difference whether you're successful or not. You listen to the philosophy and the ideologies of the world. They'll take you down a bunny trail you wish you never went down. You listen to God. You listen to those people who followed him. That's going to preserve you and me in the days to come. And you will, in the midst of trouble, have peace because you founded your relationship with God. Now, Jesus is uh, preparing to go be the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. His earthly ministry for three years has now winding down and he has been with his disciples. He had the last supper. He broke bread with them. And now he's been sharing with them going towards the Mount of Olives. And now Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. It's interesting in the middle of the trial that Jesus was about to go through, he said, this is what would glorify God. Now, I don't oftentimes see trials that way. Sometimes when I have a trial in my life, I feel that other people watching me would say, where's God? the very thing sometimes that we go through and God is victorious in helping us is a testimony to them that when they have trouble, they'll know where to go to get help. You know, you ask people that sometimes, where do you go to get help? You know, a lot of people uh, go to the wrong people to get help. In fact, they go to the very people that destroy their lives to get help. You think about those people that have influenced many of your friends. And you go, man, you need to stop hanging around with those people. Those people are really hurting you. Why? Because they go to them, sometimes out of familiarity, sometimes because they don't know where to go get good friends. You know, one of the best places you're going to find good friends is in church. That's one of the reasons why I think fellowship is important. It isn't that we come and, oh, God, how you been doing all week? Yep, yep, your place looks pretty good. Okay, see you next week. That's not the way God works. The way God works is this. We come together 
We worship him. It centralizes our thoughts because, man, we've gotten, especially this past week, I don't know how many people have have had the the trials of floods or your roadway uh, ebbing away or water in your basement or whatever. But we've all had that. But I like to just come and shut down for an hour or two and just say, God, thank you for being good to me. You know, that's one of the things we do when we come and we worship God and we think about all the things God has done for us. You know, and and sometimes we focus on what we don't have in our life rather than what we do. And so I I just think it's really good that we come together. And then we look and say, God, what would you say? This book of pure wisdom, that God, what would you say to us today? That when I go through trials, when I go through problems, when I go through tribulations, as we just read in the previous verse, where do I go to find solace? Where do I go to find peace? Well, you know, a lot of people go to their bong, you know. A lot of people go to their six-pack. Well, that gives them peace. And I will say that there is a temporary peace in the solutions of the world. But it never lasts. And that's what's wrong with it. Real things last. Phony things don't. And so when we stop to think about our relationship with God, God brings us in to his fold and we just go, okay, God, for for just a little bit here, we're we're just going to focus and refocus our, our goals and our purposes upon you. What, God, would you like me to do for you? You know, that's really the true prayer of a Christian. You know, a lot of times when I prayed in my life and unfortunately sometimes even sometimes recently, I'll tell God what I want. But you know what I really, as I really stop to think about it, only what we do for God is really going to satisfy our heart and bring that peace. Because those things last forever. Now think about it for a minute. You can do things that bring a momentary applause of men or a momentary buzz or momentary escape, like getting loaded or stoned, Or you can go to God and God can give you what will last forever. Now, see, that's important because everybody has to ask the question. And again, this is why I think it's so good we come together. It's why am I here? Why am I on this earth? Am I here just to occupy space? Or am I here because of a divine appointment in history right now for you and me? We've talked about this before. There has never been anybody on this earth like you. And there will never be anybody on this earth ever again like you. You are here for your moment, for your time, and for what God ordained you to do. What a tragedy it is, friends, to miss that. I see people with misplaced affections. And in their misplaced affections... They find only temporary satisfaction. God offers to all of us an eternity of blessing. This is why Jesus said, I give you peace. Not the way the world gives, but I give you peace. What is peace? A settling in your heart. There's always this restlessness that you'll find in people. Well, he's the young rebel. You know, uh, they're the James Dean kind of thing, you know. Well, that's because they're restless. They're not at peace in their heart. They're not at peace in their mind. They're not at peace in their lifestyle. And so here Jesus speaks and he said, Father, 
glorify me. Now, again, when we understand that when Jesus died on the cross, to the world, it may have looked like a total loss. But to God, it was a total success. Why is that? Jesus took our place on the cross. You know, we go to heaven. We've been over this many times, but I'm still amazed in this world how many people miss this. You and me go to heaven because God is good, not because we are. Now, again, the Bible says we wrap ourselves, we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. Isn't that good news? You go to heaven, I go to heaven because he's good, not because I am. Because if it's going to heaven because we're good, how good do you got to be? Well, I'm better than the guy next door. I don't beat my dog. I don't kick my wife. I don't, you know, I mow my lawn, pay my power bill on time. I'm a good guy. But then you might, somebody next door to you might be saying, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I paint my house once every 20 years. I do other things that are really charitable and things. See, if we go to heaven because we're good, how do you know you did enough good stuff to get into heaven? And here's the big problem. When you get there, if you didn't do enough good stuff, it's too late to do anything about it. We got a problem here. What do we do? Okay. Jesus took our place. He's righteous. Our righteousness comes from him. He's our source of righteousness. See, that's why we can have peace in the world. How would you like to be in a religion where you have to continually try to be something rather than a Christian where you are something? I like that about God. See, Jesus did it all. Remember this. The gospel is not what you should be doing, but what God has done for you. Big difference. And so he says in verse 2, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. You know, it's God's desire to give us life. Um, And I don't know how God ultimately knows who chooses him and who doesn't, but the Bible says he does. I oftentimes use it as an example of a football game, like maybe last week. And you have the DVD or the, uh, the CD of the game, uh, the DVD of the game. Just because you know how that game comes out didn't stop those players on the field from playing the way they played. God has the DVD of every one of our lives. He knows everybody's movements. And I like that about God. Uh, again, we don't take God by surprise in anything that we do. God knew that sometimes in our lives we'll fall down, skin our nose, and he still chose you and me to be part of his kingdom. Isn't that good news? I always use the illustration that, uh, imagine in the very last minutes of a Super Bowl game, if they knew the guy was going to, when he threw the ball, the guy in the end zone was going to catch it, and he drops it at the very last minute, the very last second. The question is, if they would have known that, would you have thrown the ball to that guy knowing he would drop it? No. You would do something else. Why is that? Because he's going to drop the ball. Now, here's what's wonderful about God. God, knowing we would drop the ball, still throws it to us. You go, well, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, it's only to show us. God's bigger than the ball that we just dropped. You see, that's our God. 
God's big. God can fix things that we've done wrong. Do you have a dad here this morning in heaven? That's a question you need to ask yourself. And again, I realize that maybe some of you didn't have a dad you knew on this earth. But you have a daddy in heaven that loves you, that wants to be a part of your life and wants to fix the things wrong in your life. Even sometimes knowledgeably when we drop the ball, God still says, I'm bigger than the ball you dropped. Let's get get up and let's keep going. That's the way God works. So all that the father has given him, isn't it amazing Jesus granted eternal life to everyone in John 3, 16, but only a few number of people accept that gift. Isn't that weird? Imagine winning the lotto and never going down and picking up the prize. That's what the Bible basically is saying. People have all won. It's just, will you go down and receive what God's given you? They came to Jesus. What works must we do to inherit eternal life? Now, you got to remember, the guys that came to Jesus that asked these questions were very works-oriented. They were religious Pharisees. What must we do? Looking for the mechanics or looking for the formula, how do I go to heaven? Uh, I think about that. How, what, what, what must we do? You know, we're good. You know, yeah, you know, a bucket of water and a shovel over my shoulder. You tell me, God, what to do and I'll go do it. And Jesus blows him away and says, believe that the Father has sent me. Huh? You mean it's simple? Believe that the Father has sent me? Yeah, and Jesus said, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. God didn't make it hard to go to heaven. He made it simple to go to heaven. But it simply requires one thing. Me to receive what he has done. Now, question this morning. Do you go to heaven because you're good or because Jesus is good? We go to heaven because Jesus is good. So Jesus grants eternal life to as many of them that want it. Well, he says in verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. By the way, this is really important because in this verse, we find, as in many other verses in the Bible, Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, in this particular verse, we find Jesus speaking to his Father in heaven. He wasn't speaking to himself. There's a, a, a doctrine that's out there called the oneness doctrine. They don't believe in a heavenly Father. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They just believe in Jesus only. Well, the problem is that is not proper biblical theology. Also, you won't understand most of the New Testament, such as when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we'll get in here in a few more weeks, where he was in the Garden praying to his Father in heaven. We also know that you won't understand when Jesus began his earthly ministry, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm really amazed how people can take something so simple as the Bible and come up with so many different crazy things. Well, it's not hard when you hopscotch through the Bible. But you know, the Bible said line upon line in Isaiah, precept upon precept. Now, the precept is what's behind what you're reading. I've seen people read topically or texturally through the Bible and still get off. But here's why that's important. So you don't, you're not taken advantage of. Isn't that important? 
the word of God was written to protect you and me from the wolves. Do you think there's wolves out there? <laughs> yes. They come up to you. I've had people come to my door and, and, and they go, can we tell you about another testament of Christ? And I said, well, aside from the Bible warning me about people coming to my door, trying to tell me about another doctrine of Jesus Christ. No. Well, why? Because I don't have to earn it. God has given it to me. When you listen to some of these people's ideas that in order to go to heaven, all the things you've got to do, you got to sell Twinkies in airports or wear orange or, or eat organically grown food or join their, their organization or jump through their hoops, all this stuff. Jesus comes back. He that would believe in me would not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth and have finished the work which you have given me to do. By the way, this is reminiscent of what we hear from the Apostle Paul when he writes to Timothy. And there at the end of his life, he says, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. I did what God called me to do. What a great thing to be able to say. Where do you hear that from? Heard it from Jesus. Jesus came to be the sacrifice for sin. You know, a lot of people say, in fact, um, there's a, uh, uh, several religions out there that say Jesus failed in his mission. His mission was really to get married and propagate and have a bunch of kids and all these things. And a doggone devil caught him and had him killed. And, and they don't even want to tell you that he came back to life. But they got all these crazy things. Jesus came explicitly to die for us on the cross. Now, I think that's amazing. In other words, Jesus didn't get in a bad way and he just didn't get out of Dodge in time. And so they grabbed him and they crucified him. No, Jesus willfully went where he knew they were going to take him and later on that day, crucify him. Why is that? Because he loved us. Somebody said one time, and I think well said, it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross, it was love. And it was the love for you and me that kept us from, uh, from going into a place eternally separated from him. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Oh, that God would look at every one of us on, on the day when we stand before him. That He said, you finished the work I've given you to do. I, I, I heard a saying one time, you probably saw that too. It says, God's given me so many things to do, uh, I'll never die. <laughs> but... Um, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, if you like to mark things in your Bible, you might put your hand right there. And I'm just going to read you something out of Isaiah 42.8. Isaiah 42.8. Because this is where many religions get off. They say either Jesus was a created being or he was Michael the archangel, or he was the half-brother of Satan, or some other goofy thing. But notice what it says here in Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to graven images. He said, I will not share who I am with anybody. And yet here Jesus says, and now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had 
with you before the world was. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was not a created being. He is the creator of all things. In fact, in the Bible, it says he's the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean he was created. That means he was the first bearer of everything that there is. Isn't that amazing? Everything you see, Jesus made. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.